Fasting has been part of all spiritual, religious, and meditation practices throughout all time. Mm-hmm. Why? It creates a quiet discernment where you can not only think more clearly and creatively with more focus, but you also are more in tune with your body and you can hear what it needs. This is the Level Up Together podcast, a place to talk about building better relationships, leveling up your business and life, and living a life you've always wanted. While it's not easy, it's definitely worth it. So if that sounds like your sort of thing, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Tasha Baird-Miller, and this is Level Up Together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Level Up Together podcast. Join me every week as I capture strategies from incredibly successful women as we share wisdom and inspiration on how to level up your business and life. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Today, I'm speaking with Lori Lewis, who is an intermittent fasting coach and author. Menopause dealt a crushing blow, brain fog, lack of balance, memory loss, and the sudden gain of 50 pounds of stubborn hormonal fat. She tried everything she knew to feel better, and the methods that worked in the past made no difference. After four years of struggle, Lori stumbled upon intermittent fasting and started fasting that very same day. The menopausal fog lifted in less than one week. She had more energy and felt more like herself. She lost 51 pounds in 15 months and has kept it off for years. Now, at 57 years old, Lori has turned her personal success into the premier thriving intermittent fasting coaching business. As a certified health coach with Institute for Integrative Nutrition, she combines her knowledge of nutrition with deep research and practice of time-restricted eating. Lori guides her clients with a dream come true. Eat the foods you love and enjoy the rest of your life feeling vibrantly well. And there's so much more to Lori's impressive background that she can share as she speaks with us today. Welcome, Lori. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Tasha. Gosh, I really appreciate it. I'm ready to level up. Awesome. <laughs> I love, I love, I'm inspired by, by that idea. Thank great. You. Well, it would be great if we could kick things off with you sharing a bit more about your super interesting background. Thank you. Well, my interest in all things nutrition started many years ago. I, I always say more than 20, and I think it might be more than 25. I don't know. It's, it's a long time that I became very curious in uh, how different foods made me feel. And over 30 years ago, I woke up one day and I was like, you know, I think this diet Coke is making me feel really bad. <laughs> And then maybe all the sugar I'm eating, you know, so it started long ago. And so I kicked that sweetener and sugar habit so many years ago. And over the years, I just kept figuring out like, well, whatever's written in a book might not apply to me. It certainly doesn't apply to everyone. It applies to the very select few people who that works for. Mm -hmm. And plus the things that made me feel well and the things that made me feel awful weren't the same as anybody else. (laughs) So that course of interest and study led me to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition just as a hobby, because I love understanding nutrition and how people can feel well. 
And then, so I got that year long certification and never expected to use it in my forties. I was feeling amazing. I was at the top of my game. I was strong and lean and running marathons and everybody knew, everybody said, yeah, I'm the healthiest eater. Anybody knew mm-hmm. <laughs> healthiest person ever. And then all of the symptoms of perimenopause started showing up, but they for me, and I think most people kind of show up um, unexpectedly and you don't make the connections that that's what this might be. And so I struggled for about five years and then I thought, oh my gosh, I can't wait for my period to stop. I'm going to feel so much better then. But then at age 49, which I was a little early, menopause um, averages about 52 years old for women. And I suddenly gained 50 pounds. And it wasn't just the weight gain. It was this mysterious, like frustration. I suspected it was hormonal, but I, you know, I had all the tests and I seemed to be fine. And yes, I was in menopause and, you know, that flips estrogen and progesterone on their heads and, but it didn't warrant uh, hormone replacement therapy. And I was eating really nutritious. It's just everything you know, I couldn't get to the bottom of it. And so I added to that weight gain really head to toe pain, discomfort all the time and, um, brain fog and memory loss. And it's, it was like my muscles ached all the time. And, uh, suddenly I had a belly that I'd never had before. And I went home to Colorado to visit my mom. That's where I grew up. And she said, now brace yourself for this. She said, let's use this time that you're home to turn the weight around. (laughs) Oh, to my daughter ears, that did not sound very helpful (laughs) because I've been trying everything. (laughs) And she was, oh, my mom was amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Because that very night, finally, after all these years, I found what I thought might be an answer. And I stayed up all night reading about intermittent fasting. I I just Googled some random, like I'd always Googled like stubborn menopausal fat, help me, you know, and uh, I had never heard of, you know, eating in a pattern of time, eating in an eating window. And when I read about the science and how that works in the body and how our ancestors, you know, didn't have food and, and then they had food and then they didn't have food. It, it, that's how the human body's designed. It really made sense to me. So I went downstairs the next morning and said to my mom, I think I'm going to try this crazy thing while I'm here. And I told her about it and she said, how may I support you? And that was a little over four years ago. I've, I've eaten in an eating window every day for four years. And, Mm. um, so many people for now two and a half years solid, you know, well, I've been coaching people really for three and a half years, but I was cornered at a wedding and all my friends were like, you have to teach us over time. Like you've kind of told us how, but it's, it's not as easy to keep it going, you know? And, um, so that was the spark of my business. Yeah. I love it. Very creative, very personal. And once you found the impact on your life, you shared it with others. Yeah, it's, it's a great honor. It's, yeah. I love every minute of every day I see on my calendar who I get to talk to today and I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And I, so I coach people one-on-one and I lead group classes, which okay. I love equally as well. Mm-hmm. 
So tell us, for, the, for those of us who don't really know what intermittent fasting is, what exactly is it? So it's this idea, it's a medical term, and the term intermittent fasting actually applies to the idea of, you know, in testing rats and so forth, like eating on alternate days, eating more intermittently, like here's food today and none to this day and then food the next day. So that's what intermittent fasting means. Um, is, is consolidating the food to a shortened amount of time and then pausing from eating. Then the other medical term time restricted eating or time restricted feeding is eating in a consolidated amount of time every day. Now those terms have just become collapsed. And so the modern term of eating in an eating window or consciously pausing from eating and then eating later mm -hmm. um, is just under the umbrella of intermittent fasting. So the fasting word, the word fasting, it kind of scares people. People think it's hard and scary and mm -hmm. um, aren't going to be super, super, super hungry. And so I love sharing with people that really within a few days, you most people feel so much better and why that is. And um, so each person can discover for themselves. And this is what I love too, is figuring out what is a gentle, peaceful fasting and eating groove where you feel you could just do that forever because it feels so good and you're sleeping well and you're eating delicious food later in an, in your eating window, you're not dieting. You're, you know, now if your body says don't eat gluten, if your body says don't eat dairy or meat or, you know, all the soy and different things, then we want to notice that and honor that. But that's very different than a diet, diet calorie restricting and dieting. So this is not a diet. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. So yeah. what does the pattern look like for you? Let's start there. What have you found works for you? Well, what I started with was you take the 24 hour day and you chop it into your fasting hours and your eating window. And since breakfast has never been my thing, it, and I actually like black coffee. I'm one of the rare people that that wasn't hard for. Um, I decided to skip breakfast. So that seemed like no problem. And, you know, a lot of people say to me, oh yeah, I pretty kind of don't eat breakfast anyway. But the key is not everything liquid, you know, is included in a fast. People are like, well, apple cider vinegar is healthy and lemon is healthy and all these healthy things. It's like, yes, yeah, save that for your eating window. That's food. We want to put the body in a total rest. So I put my body in a complete rest for 16 hours, which looks like if I stop eating at 7 p.m. and drink plain water and sleep and wake up and drink plain water and have a black coffee. And then 16 hours after I ate yesterday, I eat today. So that would, could be 11 AM. Mm -hmm. And so I started with this 16, eight pattern and I, some people enjoy eating three meals in their eight hour eating window. That just felt like a lot of food to me and a lot of eating in a consolidated amount, thinking about food and preparing food and chopping food and cleaning up from food. And I felt so satisfied really eating two meals. So then that eight hours seemed kind of long. And I felt like the 
the 16 hour fast kind of would conclude and I'd be like, well, I'm not even hungry. And this is how it flows for most people. It's like, I'm not even hungry at 11. I'm not even hungry at noon. Okay. I guess I'll eat at one. And so the window shrank and the fasting expanded to about 18, six. And I ate two meals in six hours for about six weeks. And then someone challenged me to a 20 hour fast and boy, oh boy, did that sound long. The, the, the span between 18 hours and 20 was <laughs> daunting, but I was like, I was up for it. I was like, yeah. And I feel so good with 18, six. Why not shoot for a 20 hour fast this particular day? And I did it and it felt like a great accomplishment. It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I settled back in, you know, this is where you kind of play around. Where do you, where do you settle? What feels good? What time, you know, some people want breakfast. They're like, I'm a breakfast person. It's like, great, eat breakfast and lunch and close your window at two, two, you know, play around with it. So where I have settled and I hesitate to share it because people think what they have to be just like me. And so I want to underscore the fact that we're all unique and each person's eating window is discovered by them like a an ex, fun experiment. So I have for four years now eaten in a four hour eating window. So I fast for 20 hours every day and I eat a beautiful like appetizer snack to just make me happy. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I pause a little bit and I'll make my dinner or go out. And I, you know, people are like, isn't that starvation? I'm like, you should see me eat. <laughs> I really love to eat delicious food. So 20, that was a long answer to, because I really want to explain how it works and not have people faint and be like, oh my gosh, do you have to do it that way? It's like, no, you don't, but that's what I do. That was, that's what feels very good for me and a lot of people. So I have lots of questions. So that's why I'm here. (laughs) If you settle on, in your case, you settled on 20 hours of fasting, four hours of eating, do you stick with that every single day? Or can some people say, you know, three days a week, I'm going to do the 24, 20 slash four, you know, the other couple of days, I'm going to do maybe 18 and six and mix it up. Mix it up. Now in the beginning, I really encourage people to have it be consistent for, you know, like 60, like eat between 11 and seven or 12 and eight or 10 and six, like whatever, and keep that consistent for two weeks because you're training your body to do something new. And if you add in a lot of complexities, like ramping up your exercise and going, you know, suddenly eating healthy, it's like eat normally, whatever normally is for you. Don't change all that up. Just keep it consistent. Then Over time, when you've settled into that groove, you can shorten the eating window, you can move it, you can expand it for special occasions, or like I have a client who um, had an important breakfast this morning with a dear friend who was experiencing a loss, and she thought, I'm going to feel weird just sitting there with her eating, drinking my black coffee. Well, you know, it was, it was an important breakfast. Mm -hmm. And so she ate breakfast, no guilt. Like my coaching is all around. Let's eradicate any guilt and feeling bad and, you know, being good. And, you know, it's, it's, this is liberating. It's not a constraint. 
-hmm. And so she enjoyed her breakfast and she ate to her heart's content. And then she's going to pause for four, five, six hours, which is fine. Have an early, nice, big, early dinner. Mm -hmm. And then she'll hop back tomorrow on her more shortened eating window. So what I encourage people to do who have complicated schedules and people who like to mix things up is to take your calendar (laughs) or a piece of paper or a whiteboard and just kind of map out your eating windows for the week. What do you have going on? And you never want to be caught off guard. You want to be ready to eat and know what delicious food you're going to be eating and not scrambling for, you know, foods that, as I say, aren't window worthy. You want the foods in your eating window to feel window worthy, like delicious and healthful, and you love that food. So it is flexible. Absolutely. And the body likes that too. The body, you want to keep it guessing. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the food then. So if you've got your flexibility with your, your windows and how you work that, when you, um, you know, there's all kinds of information out there around, you have to have a, you know, certain calorie diet to maintain a healthy weight. You have to eat certain, you know, um, portions or servings of, you know, each of the different food groups. Um, you really should have a plant-based diet with small portions of, you know, meat and dairy. Um, you know, you really shouldn't drink alcohol. Like how do you mix that all in? How do you, what's your, what's your norm? um, for your eating window and how do you, you know, how do you get all the nutrients that you need during that time frame? There is an incredible phenomenon that happens called appetite correction. The idea was created by Dr. Bert Herring, who's a, a, a metabolism doctor for the national institutes of health. And he wrote a book called the fast five. He and his wife figured out that they could thrive and be amazing eating in a five hour eating window every day. And then he wrote a book called AC, the power of appetite correction. And we are like a wild animal. Imagine our ancestors. They didn't count calories. They ate food. <laughs> when it was available, right? And if they discovered for themselves that there was a particular meat or root or berry or leaf that made them feel sick, they didn't eat that anymore, right? It's Mm -hmm. so sensible. And so we are the same. We are the same as a wild animal who, when we are fasting and you get into this fasting groove, your fasting sweet spot, the hunger hormones and the appetite center in our brain begins to work correctly. And our hunger hormones tell us when we're actually hungry, mostly when we feel hung, what what we think is hungry are just alerts. It's an alert system. It's not Mm -hmm. actual hunger. And so as an intermittent faster, you learn what is actual hunger and what is just your stomach rearranging the stomach acid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so Regarding calorie counting, it's absolutely unnecessary. When you're fasting, your body is fueling on your own body fat. That is an un, pretty much unlimited fuel source. So I'm at my ideal weight and um, I have about 23% body fat. So a quarter of my entire body is fuel. I'm not going to run out anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And we're mostly all the same way. But up until you implement an intermittent fasting pattern, fasting and then eating in an eating window, we're not keeping insulin low enough to then tap into our fat stores for fuel. So we want to be tapping into our fat stores for fuel. And when we do that, that is energy and we actually need less 
food. So people think, well, isn't intermittent fasting just calorie restriction? No, it's fueling on the the energy that we have on board already. Mm -hmm. And then because that apostat, the appetite center in our brain gets corrected, the body informs us each day of the quantity of food it needs today, sometimes more, sometimes less. And until you've experienced what that feels like, it's unimaginable. The body literally says, we're done. We're done. You can stop now. And you'll look at the food on your plate and be like, but I'm not actually finished. I want to finish that. And the body's like, yeah, no, we can't take any more in. And it doesn't feel like being stuffed. It feels like we're done. (laughs) And so then regarding nutrients, another beautiful aspect of appetite correction is the body starts steering us towards the food slash nutrients it needs and wants and becomes disinterested in the foods that it doesn't need or want. And so that is appetite correction. The quantity varies each day. And, you know, intermittent fasters will go through a phase where suddenly the, the body, the, you have these thoughts like broccoli, broccoli, broccoli. It's like, I've never even liked broccoli. And your body's like, you do now <laughs> because it needs those nutrients. And then there are other foods that you, you will, you know, you'll feel like, oh, these are my favorite, favorite things. I can't live without these Doritos or ice cream or you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you'll realize that it's been in your freezer for a month and you haven't thought about it. So it, the, I'll bring in a spiritual aspect. Fasting has been part of all spiritual, religious, and meditation practices throughout all time. Mm -hmm. Why it creates a quiet discernment where you can not only think more clearly and creatively with more focus, but you also are more in tune with your body and you can hear what it needs. Mm. So that's how you know how much to eat. And it takes practice Mm -hmm. (laughs) to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm curious. So, and I think I know what you're going to say when I ask this question, but in terms of people who exercise pretty rigorously, how do they maintain the right energy levels to be able to um, assume this intermittent fasting uh, plan approach and still enjoy, you know, higher levels of exercise. Well, the body performs better in a fasted state. We're actually stronger. We have more stamina. We can run faster, longer, farther when we're in a fasted state, if you think about evolution, Mm -hmm. if we got super bogged down and super tired and super lethargic and sick, when we weren't eating, we wouldn't have survived as a species. And I'm sure people out there are going, but I do get, I do feel like that when I'm not eating. Yeah. Because you're a sugar burner. We, We, the body really is designed to keep reminding you to eat because from an evolutionary perspective, the, we need to be highly motivated to go out and get food, except today in our society, it's an arm length away. It's constantly there. So now we've been trained stomach growl, eat stomach growl, eat food in front of my face, eat. It's just, I need, I'm angry, lonely, fearful, upset, eat. So we've, we really need to, to increase that time span of when we're not eating so the body can repair and intermittent fasters discover that we are stronger and more focused and 
can perform better from a physical well and cognitive but we're you asked me about physical mm -hmm. and they're now professional athletes who are not only training in a fasted state, but some are competing in a fasted state. Because once you tap into those fat stores for fuel, you are jamming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm just going to press this one a little bit more because I also, um, I'm a runner and I love to cycle and, you know, and I think through lots of just, um, information from different sources, you know, uh, typically we've, uh, people who do some of those endurance type activities say, well, I have to have, you know, a certain level of carbs to really have the fuel to sustain the length of time that I'm running or the length of right. time that I'm, um, cycling. Um, and, and so I'm just, you mentioned cognitive and being able to focus. Is that really just an old story that, yes. you know, we're, we're, we believe that because that's what we were taught, but the reality is that's not true. And so we need to, you know, reframe our beliefs and our stories to take on this new, you know, idea that you're sharing with us today. Yeah. So that applies to a person who eats all the time. Yeah. So it doesn't apply to someone who's consistently eating in an eating window and has trained the body to shift fuel sources. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the idea of carb loading before a marathon, it made perfect sense to me when I was running marathons, I did that. I don't know, do you, <laughs> you know, and, but then now that I'm an intermittent faster and I know plenty of elite athletes who perform ex exceptionally well in a fasted state mm -hmm. that it doesn't make any sense at all to carb load before and then eat lots of protein and what we actually need are electrolytes what we without the sugar we actually need magnesium and sodium and so if you think that a proc this is approximate right so the first thing your body does is use the fuel from the food you last ate it uses the blood glucose in your blood. And then as it's shifting fuel sources, it is going to scream for easy, easy fuel. It's easy fuel to scream for it and, and have you put food in your mouth. The body's like, thank goodness. I didn't have to work so hard. So, but then your body becomes metabolically flexible when you've practiced this. And it does this within about two weeks that you then shift into utilizing your, the glycogen, the stored glucose in your liver. And it's also in your muscles, but it's primarily in your liver. Well, once you're intermittent fasting every day consistently, and that stored glycogen comes all the way down, you then shift into fat burning. And so once you start a nice long run in the fasted state, replenishing sodium and magnesium, and maybe some potassium and so forth, you're good to go. So Lori, tell us a little bit about um, some of the cognitive um, improvements that you see when you do intermittent fasting. For me personally, my mind cleared up within three days. So experientially for myself and then thousands of people I've coached, we have the experience that the fog lifts, that the brain gets sharper and more clear. And that happened to me. And uh, Dr. Mark Matson is a neurologist from Johns Hopkins. And he was asked to put together a review, a compilation of studies on intermittent fasting so that doctors around the world, but especially the US could 
uh, understand more of the cognitive and physical physiological benefits of intermittent fasting and recommend it to their patients. And that was in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so that was from December, 2019. And it, it's what happens one of the aspects, one of the things that happens is that when the body is fueling on its own fat for fuel, you, be, you move from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner, mm -hmm. the um, fat cells release fat and it goes through the blood and it's transformed through the liver into ketone bodies. And the brain should not be fueling on hundred percent glucose. There are parts that require glucose and most of it thrives fueling on ketones. And so when you're in a fasted state and you're in ketosis, you're fat adapted in ketosis, the brain is sharper and clearer and has a, a, a increased energy and focus. And some people think that means that there's like a burst of energy and they're waiting for the burst, <laughs> but that isn't really, it's more of a, an even sustained feeling good. And everybody, everybody in any walk of life, whether you're 18 years old or 88 or everywhere in between and beyond, everybody really does want to feel good. Mm -hmm. People have asked marketing people, you know, they ask me like, what, what do people come to you for? They probably come to you to lose weight. Well, a lot do, but what's the underpinning of that is people want to feel well, whatever you're up to in life, whatever is important to you, people want to feel better mm -hmm. and sharper and stronger and clearer. So the mental, the mental wellness and sharpness, as well as the, the, um, people become more patient, mm -hmm. people become more resilient mm -hmm. and, um, people become able to withstand stress more readily. Like it's, it's a grounding. Yeah. 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 So I, I coach on resilience. And so it's interesting that you bring that up because a lot of what we talk about is, you know, physical mastery, mental um, mastery and spiritual mastery. And it's really um, starts with foundationally having better sleep habits, eating more consciously, um, and, you know, getting enough exercise, moving your body in some way, shape or form. And once you kind of master those three habits, then you stack on more. And so you start to think about, you know, what ways can you be more positive? How can you insert mindfulness into a practice of yours? How do you connect with other people? And what are the things that you do to recharge? Um, and then finally, what's the, what's the life that you want to, to design? What's your intentional life that you want to live? Um, and so it's interesting how, you know, through the practices that you've learned in, in your health coaching certification, and now through, you know, this particular method that you use around intermittent fasting, how there's such correlation. And a lot of it goes back to, you know, again, eating consciously um, and in the right window, uh, getting enough sleep and slowing down your brain so that you can think, um, you know, more effectively and you can manage your emotions, um, which all lead to more resilience. 
Yes. Oh, we are aligned. I was trying to make a graphic once, you know, like a traditional pie chart of all the aspects of wellness. So I like to say reflection. So that can either be prayer or meditation or journaling or walking Mm -hmm. in nature. So reflection and sleep and nutrition and movement fitness. And I was, I, I had fasting as part of a piece of the pie. And I was like, but it's not a piece. It's Mm -hmm. the thing that uplifts all those other things like relationships and family and productivity and work. So I'm like, no, intermittent fasting is the crust. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, it's the thing that whatever you care about, all those other aspects of wellness and all those other aspects of having a life of that's enriched and full and flourishing that when you eat in an eating window and you don't eat all the time and you just eat later in your eating window and allow your body this beautiful rest and repair that it is, it really needs. It's much like sleep. Mm-hmm. We need it. We just didn't know that, <laughs> that it makes everything better. So, um, you know, your story started with you know, you moving into, you know, a perimenopausal state and seeing a a change in your own body, um, physically, emotionally, um, mentally, um, is intermittent fasting for everyone? Um, I love this question. I love this question because people will either say it's probably not for everyone or it doesn't work for everyone. Right. So I want you to consider that it actually has integrity. And what I mean is by integrity is not a a superiority or a moral thing or right or wrong. Integrity is what works and in alignment with functioning optimally. (laughs) And so since our ancestors, since we evolved to pause from eating and rest and heal, it, it intermittent fasting, pausing from eating to rest and heal does work for everyone. Does the exact same schedule work for every person? No, absolutely not. This is why we get to discover, like some people feel much better eating in the morning. Like I said, I do not. And some people want, you know, three meals and a 10 hour eating window and even 12, 12, 12 hours fasted. If you're asleep for eight of it, I hope 12 hours fasted, 12 hour eating window and then eating and pause. And by the pause, I mean, flavored drinks also like a real actual pause, eat, pause, eat, pause, eat. That is how our bodies are designed. Mm -hmm. And so I've had physicians say to me, Oh, well, I don't think it's for everyone. I'm like, okay, just wait a second. Hear me out. If you had a patient who was dealing with whatever, pick anything (laughs) and they stopped eating at 7 PM and drank plain water and then slept and woke up and drank plain water and ate breakfast at 7 AM. Would that be okay? And they're like, of course it would. I'm like, that's intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's being conscious of eating in an eating window. And then if everybody is like, well, I could do that do that. But then depending on what your health goals are, like I want to ward off Alzheimer's or I want to, you know, do better with my thyroid and not take so much thyroid medication or, you know, whatever your health issues are, blood pressure coming down and normalizing your A1C, like whatever your goals are, then we figure out, well, what is the optimal 
fasting hours and eating window for you. That's sustainable that you'll just keep living like that because this isn't a diet. This is a, this is a pattern of eating and you just become for yourself. Like you relate to yourself as a person who eats in an eating window mm-hmm. and you get to say when it is yeah. <laughs> just really freeing it's designing your eating window, your, the lifestyle you want to live. That's right. Mm-hmm. So if someone wanted to start today, how do they do that? They just look at a clock and everybody look at a clock and you say, hmm, when am I eating dinner today? Or, or you could have just finished lunch and like, I, I'm a few hours past lunch and I'm not even hungry. And you know, my family's not home tonight and maybe I'll just keep, you know, so you get to when you stop eating today and then drink plain unflavored water. So I subscribe to an idea called the clean fast. You can find any information on the internet, cut all the corners and what's allowed. And this is allowed, allowed. It's like, no fasting pause from any nutrients flavors, which trigger the hunger hormones and insulin. Primarily we have over 80 hormones and there is hierarchy and network of communication, and they all have their amazing jobs. It's so fascinating. Mm -hmm. And so we want to put our body in this metabolic hormonal digestive rest. So plain unflavored water, plain unflavored black coffee, plain unflavored bitter black or green tea and green tea is not mint tea or jasmine tea. (laughs) It's like green tea with nothing in it. No ginger, no lemongrass, nada. And then plain unflavored electrolytes. Like in my water right now, I have a squirt of magnesium and a little bit of sodium and I keep my electrolytes up. Mm -hmm. And so then all you got to do is plain, plain, plain sleep, plain, 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 and decide tomorrow, what time you're going to open your eating window and have your first meal. And then don't diet, don't skimp, don't count. Eat until hunger is gone. Eat until you're satisfied. People are like, I have no idea what that is. Great. It's time to practice. It's so exciting. Like if you lean in and relate to this as an experiment, like an experiment of one, your body, and you can't screw it up. My clients are like, oh, I so messed up. And so we look and it's like, well, what did you learn? Well, I learned this about my body and I learned this about, and I learned that I don't ever say what I want. And I mean, and then because of all that learning, then we decide how's, how's it going to go tomorrow? You can't screw this up. No matter when you eat, eating windows open and enjoy your food, eat to satiety, which means eat until you're satisfied and then don't eat for four hours or something and (laughs) rinse and repeat. That's what that's we're designed Mm -hmm. and start gradually. A lot of people feel like, Oh, I have these blood sugar issues or, you know, I'll get hangry. And it's like, um, if you start easy and you aim for 12 hours, if you made it 11 hours and 45 minutes, did you fail? No you did great. You were aware, you were awake, you were conscious of when you're eating. And then it's all about learning and experiment, having fun with it. So we've talked a lot about the positive impacts of intermittent fasting. Are there any negative repercussions? I would say two things. One, the first would be over fasting. Mm. 
over fasting, thinking more is better, more is better. No, it's not. It's what's sustainable. It's what has you feel amazing. You don't want to raise cortisol, which keeps insulin high. And then you can't tap into your fat stores, like chill out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. So over fasting, not awesome. Discover your fasting sweet spot. And like, so I started, I said 16, eight, and then switched to 18, six, because it was a personal discovery. And then I had this, you know, someone said you can fast 20. I was like, Ooh, but that was a nice bold stretch is what I call it. It's not a hard push. It's like a yoga class where you're going to go beyond that little comfort zone, but you would never push hard. You'll strain all your muscles. So over fasting, not awesome. The other thing would be, um, fasting and air quotes, calorie restricting. So thinking that, uh, well, if fasting's good, then dieting is also good. No, that slows the metabolism. We want to send the body, the message that fuel food is abundant. And so once appetite correction kicks in and you're in tune with how much food is a good amount today, you're, you're doing great. So no, no calorie restricting and send the message to the body that eating until it's satisfied. And when it's satisfied, it knows it got enough food. So no over fasting, no dieting and fasting, no calorie restricting and fasting. And The other thing, the other warning would be that people are like, it didn't work for me. Mm. you got to look at what it means to you for it to work. So a lot of people come to intermittent fasting as they think it's a diet plan. It's really a health regimen. So can I guarantee that your body is going to release a ton of fat right off the get-go and you're going to shed all the fat and look great in that dress you're high school. Um, no, but what I can guarantee is that your body is healing every day and you're reducing inflammation. People look better almost immediately. Like your skin gets clear, your eyes get brighter and people are like, are you doing something right? So your body, what, what is working? It is working every day. Your body's in this healing, rest and repair. And when it's ready to shed the weight or the excess fat for you, it will, but it is going to, it has its own priorities. Your body is healing your liver, your brain cells, your gut, your, my plantar fasciitis went away. I had it for 10 years. I had this painful, painful on the bottoms of my feet. And within three to four, I don't even remember when it went away. It was somewhere between three and four months of intermittent fasting. That's Now I've discovered that happens to so many people. Seasonal allergies go away. I mean, it's because the um, inflammation in the body normalizes and is reduced through fasting, our bone density increases, our muscles increase, like it's working. Yeah, it is working. So don't fall into the trap of thinking it's not working for you when it is. Yeah, (laughs) that's my third warning. (laughs) Well, these are all really great things to consider. And you certainly have me, um, you know, my attention peaked and, and I've tried it before. I have not sustained it for long periods of time, but, you know, I'm certainly interested in trying it again and, and seeing if I have different results this time, if I have a little bit more consistency around it. May I add a fourth warning then? Sure. Okay. Keep going. Here's why. 
don't throw the baby in the bathwater. Okay. So imagine you, you're gradually easing up. This isn't a race, right? And you get into this fat adapted state every day within the, in the first two weeks, your body's chipping away at those glycogen stores in your liver and it gets all the way down and you training the body to shift in fat burning. And that can take two to four weeks, but you're feeling better pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. When you stop, start and stop and start, you're to go through that whole process again and again and again, right? So consider like, I, just use me as an example, right? So I move my eating window around. Some days it's longer, some days it's shorter, some days it's earlier, some days it's later. If there's a special occasion, I, I'll do a 12-12. And so you are always relating to yourself as a person who eats in an eating window. You're never not doing it. That will have it be sustainable for you. And you will over time see the results that you'd like to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. this has been great. So, so what other things did we not touch upon today that are really important for you to share around intermittent fasting? I just want everybody to feel better. <laughs> you know, it's just waving this flag. And uh, I really think that the barometer of, you know, what should I eat and when sh- should I, should I, should I, it's like, and everybody's trying so hard to be good and we're immersed. We're dunked from the minute we're born into this diet mindset, diet culture of trying to be good. Well, if I have to try to be good and that food is bad, then I'm bad. It's just this terrible, terrible mindset and cycle that that's mm-hmm. hard to break out of. And I just want everyone to know, you do not have to be good. It's not about being good. It's about feeling good. So when you look at a menu or you decide what you're eating later, if the question is what's going to make me feel amazing, mm-hmm. not, oh, I have to be good according to someone else's list. No, your, your body is amazing. So I want to leave it on what an amazing vehicle we have to go through this life. Let's treat ourselves super well and feel really, really vibrantly alive until the end. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So, um, as we kind of wrap up our conversation, I love to ask just three, um, kind of rapid fire questions. Um, I love the answers that I get uh, and there's no right or wrong answer. So the first one is, you know, just about you and your career, you know, what are you most excited about right now that you'd love to share with us? I'm just excited to talk to people. I I'm, everybody thinks they have to do everything perfectly. And, you know, I, I, I'm excited about the next 50 years of my life. I'm 58 years old and I'm just going to keep on going. And I want, I want to just keep listening to people, how you're doing and how can I support you? That is just the best thing ever Mm. here to serve, right? It's, it's an honor. Yeah. My second question is, um, it's really about the mark that you want to leave on this world. So if you think about your legacy and what you want to share with the world, what would that be? Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, it is really cool when people are like, when's your eating window today? You know, and if, if it was just a natural question, people ask, like, when are you eating today? People don't ask, when are you eating today? People all the time. So it could be as natural as any question we would ask each other which would be, when are you eating today? And, you know, can I join you or can you eat with me? And it's like, yeah, when are you eating today? (laughs) Yeah, that's great. That's great. 
And then the last one is really um, around the words level up. So what does level up mean to you? It just feel, I feel when you say level up, I can like feel it in my body. It's not a standard of perfection. It's, it's not a trying hard with struggle, stress, or strain. It's just, I mean, the word up in and of itself is uplifting. It's just Mm -hmm. being your very best self right now, which includes feeling well. And, um, how can we just live every moment of this gift of this life, fully awake and aware and with each other and doing the very best we can right now. That's what level up sounds like to me. Thanks so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And as always, anything mentioned, any links, any notes, those will all be over on the redtulip.com in the podcast section of our website. So just head on over there and take a look. If you haven't connected yet with me personally, I would love to meet you. Come find me on Instagram at theredtulip underscore and send me a DM. Let me know you listened to this episode and let me know what you thought. Or come to the Level Up Together Facebook page and say hello. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Thanks for being brave. Thanks for being amazing. And thanks for being you. I can't wait to chat next time.